0: Good afternoon and welcome to the Be The One You Need podcast. This is your host, Sophia Nelson, author of the forthcoming book, Be The One You Need, 21 Life Lessons I Learned While Taking Care of Everyone But Me. How many of you can relate to that subtitle? All of us can relate to that subtitle. I think particularly so uh, over the course of the last couple of years where We've all been tested, pushed, tried, challenged, overwhelmed, um, shut in, masked up, frustrated, elated, uh, learning new ways to communicate, learning new ways to work. It's been a lot. It's not something we asked for. It's not something we could even prepare for, uh, but it's been a lot. And that brings me to my topic today. Um... I have a couple things I want to do on this self-care Sunday, but I really want to focus on this notion of connectedness. Connectedness. It's one of the new words in the lexicon. It evolves. Um, And I want to talk about the power of connection and self-care. They may seem in some ways like they should be polar opposites, right? Because, again, people wrongly believe that self-care is equated somehow with selfishness. I need you to throw that garbage away. Self-care is never selfish. Self-care is never just all about you, ironically. Self-care is that daily checking in, that daily caring for, feeding yourself, clothing yourself, uh, finding time to pray, to meditate, to exercise, to get still just with your cup of coffee in the morning, to journal. For some of you, it's getting up and out and taking a walk before you get your day started with the dogs or uh, just taking a walk uh, out there in nature where I live. uh, I am blessed to live in beautiful Western Loudoun County, Virginia, where there are a lot of beautiful landscapes and trees and and places that you can hike, walk, climb, um, do anything, and you can be out in nature a lot. So it's beautiful but everybody doesn't have that. Some of you live in really busy, crazy, always moving cities like New York, LA, DC, etc. And so you have to find other ways to connect with yourself for self-care, but I want you to be clear that self-care is really just another way of saying this. I'm going to fill up my cup first. I'm going to check in with me first. I'm going to feed myself first. I'm going to do all the things I need to do to nourish my soul and my being and my wellness first, so that, comma, I can be a better spouse, a better mom, a better dad, a better husband, a better brother, a better sister, a better friend, a better pastor, a better employer. A better boss, a better athlete, a better coach. And I can go on and on and on and on. Because there is a direct correlation with our desire and our, as Oprah and Dr. Bruce Perry say in what happened to you, relational hunger. That's a word I want you to kind of hang on to, relational hunger. We all have a hunger just like we do for food. Just like we do for sex, just like we do for belonging and uh, for spiritual nourishment. We have a hunger for connection to other human beings. What I'm suggesting to you throughout the course of this podcast, throughout the course of the book that you're going to read in a few months, is that self-care is just the first block, the first step, the first most important rung of the ladder. To you being better with other people. To you being better with your dreams, your goals, your desires. Because the truth is, when you're empty, when you're hurt, when you're wounded, when you have no capacity left, when you're emotionally depleted... When you're all of those things and you keep pushing yourself and you keep telling yourself that everybody has to come first, the kids have to come first, the spouse has to come first, the job has to come first, my parents who are aging have to come first, uh, my social organization obligations come first, that's one way to look at it, but it's a real quick way, having been there as have many of you, to utterly ruin yourself, to make yourself sick, to make yourself unwell emotionally, to be on the verge of a nervous breakdown, as I like to say, while you're running around telling everybody how blessed you are and how you're too blessed to be stressed and you're all these things. And inside you are screaming for relief, for reprieve, for rest, for respite. So we're going to go on a redefinition journey of what it means to practice true, deep, meaningful self-care and true, deep, meaningful self-care, as I've said many times before, is not just going to the spa. It's not just having a week's vacation in the sun. It's not just, um, having drink night out with the girls or basketball night with the guys. That's a form of self-care, but true self-care comes down to three questions that you must ask yourself often, and that tragically most people do not. The first question, what do I want? The second question, what do I need? And the third question, how do I feel? When you can ask those questions of yourself often, and I'm talking often, like every few days, Every day, every week, every month, whatever it is where you make the conscious choice to be intentional that you're going to put you first, I promise you, the people around you will notice that something is different. People around you will notice when you start to lose those pounds because you've put you first. When you start to change your eating habits, you will be modeling to your kids to get the sugar out of their life, to eat healthier to enjoy food, to experiment with it, to have fun with it. When the kids see you up and moving and taking care of your body, you are you are dropping a seed into your kids that as they get older and as they parent their own families hopefully someday, that guess what? Health matters. Wellness matters. Being fit matters. You're teaching your family. You're teaching your friends. You're teaching those you're connected to what positivity looks like what saying no looks like what getting still looks like what rest looks like what learning new things looks like you're modeling that and in taking care of you don't miss what I'm saying here you're taking care of everybody else around you oh I wish I had figured this out a long time ago And I wish the people in my family had learned this. I wish that I had healthier modeling growing up because that stuff, as I open up the new book, is all about your family. And your family is where everything in your life begins and in some cases ends. You don't have to be your family. You don't have to buy into generational curses. You don't have to uh, be what they tell you you're gonna be or what words they say to you. You do not because your story becomes yours the moment you get free and you grow up and you grow out of your parents' house, your grandparents' house, the foster care you grew up in, Uh, whatever your village looked like, whatever your community, your family looked like, at some point you're gonna get to live your own life and create your own family. But I can tell you, Unequivocally, that your family, whether it was healthy, whether it was positive, whether it was functional, whether it was loving and kind and caring, or whether it was violent, angry, dysfunctional, mean, hurtful, and petty, you are a product of that environment and you take things from that environment with you. And without doing the work on you first, Without doing the work on you consciously every day of your life, friends, you will become what you don't want to become. It is clockwork. It is textbook. And so I want to talk about connectedness today. Because we need each other like the air that we breathe. True connectedness, however, only happens when we first know love and honor self. There are a lot of people who are going to struggle with this book and they're going to leave crazy comments on Amazon and Goodreads and they're going to let me have it. Say, how dare you tell me to put myself first? I got five kids and I got a marriage and I love the Lord Jesus and 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 I just you're just wrong and you're of the devil telling me to put myself first. How can I blah, 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 blah. The very person who's typing that to me is the very person who's going to be on anxiety medication, who's self-medicating, who's angry, who's suppressed, who's repressed, who's just really not happy with life. Because they bought into a narrative, a socialization narrative that mostly impacts women, if we're honest. But men, you get some of this too. Which is, you don't ask for what you need in your marriage. You don't say what you desire, what you want. Because you are taught that you're supposed to play a certain role and that men don't cry, men don't need help, men don't feel, and that's all wrong. You know, uh, this past weekend, uh, very tragic news out of Hollywood. Actress Regina King, who has been on television since she was a girl on 227, and, uh, you know, just an amazing actress with an amazing journey from being on a TV sitcom as a girl To becoming one of the leading actresses in Hollywood. An Oscar winner. An Emmy winner. A director. A producer. Beautiful spirit. uh, Mother of one son. And the light of her life. And he took his own life. On Friday I believe it was. And... One of the things that's been heartening to me has been to see the response, not just from Hollywood, but from people all over uh, the globe. One, because she's a world famous actress, but more importantly, because she's a human being. And that connectedness really, I think, took off in, in unparalleled ways, uh, watching the response of the sisterhood of women. Um, who really leaned in, whether it was Viola Davis or Oprah Winfrey or Ava DuVernay or, or you could just go on and on and on. And the people who rallied uh, to her and who truly uh, felt that they needed to embrace her in the community of love because her loss is so great and so sudden and so... Life changing. It is a wound that she will never, ever heal from in one sense. I saw one of the Sandy Hook parents who I hope to have on this podcast uh, this year. We've got a really good list of guests. Uh, the holdup, as always, is always going to be me and my schedule. And as I've been thinking about what I want, what I need, and how do I feel, I really want to bring people to you who have walked this journey of going through things and finding a way not to just survive them, but to thrive beyond them and to heal and to be a light for the rest of us, because that's really where the diamond in the rough is. That's where the magic is of life. When we can go through the worst things and come out on the other side, not bitter, but better. Not damaged. Instead, we come out more enlightened, more open, not more closed. And I thought that um, actress Anjanui Ellis, Anjanui, Anjanui Ellis, uh, she's amazing. Um, she plays on ABC's Quantico. She's been in a myriad of of uh, films, and uh, you know productions for years um one of my favorite actresses I didn't know she was following me but she does and that humbles me uh but she had a tweet that just said it all and she said my heart aches it aches for Regina my grandmother and the sisters of the church would come and sit let's sit with Regina wherever we are end quote powerful Uh, because what she's saying is is that even though we might not be in physical proximity to regina king or to anyone else who's suffering we can sit in the circle of sisterhood and brotherhood and of connectedness and of humanity and sitting in that circle we can become a life force a healing force of prayer, of connection, of goodwill, of faith, of spirit. And, and like I said, I saw some of the Sandy Hood parents chiming in. And, and one of the parents uh, said, my wound will never heal. That's right. Your five-year-old in kindergarten is murdered in the most horrific of ways, unimagined. There are no words. There is no fixing that. And I saw that parent reach for Regina King and with the the hand of fellowship doesn't know her from Adam say, I'm here if you need to talk. I know what you're feeling right now. And I just wanted to kind of talk about that today. Just, just again, I've lamented about this many times on this podcast But I am concerned about what I see happening to us as human beings and our lack of empathy and our lack of kindness. I've never seen anything like this in my lifetime. And I'm 55 years old now, so I've lived a little bit. And my mother, who's going to be 75, Lord willing, next week has said the same thing. I've never seen anything like this. And my grandmother, who turned 92 last weekend, said, I've never seen anything like this. And I think what Miss Ellis said is critical because she's saying we need to return to something. That community, that tribe, that connectedness, that we as Americans, that we as people from any culture, any race, but particularly some of the more ancient cultures like Africans and Asians and Native Americans and indigenous people, and and the ancient uh Highlanders of Scotland and the Irish and the English and 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 there were these 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 places, the church, where we could go and and people would come to us when we were hurt. I remember uh like it was yesterday, I was God in in my early, early thirties, and um uh, I had found out that I you know was gonna have some major problems having children. And I was in a serious relationship at the time and Uh, No doubt we were thinking about marriage. And uh, the irony is, I I think I thought I was pregnant at one point and I went to the doctor. And that's when I found out just the opposite because my cycle had not come. And that's usually a sign when you're a young, healthy woman that you are pregnant. And um, I remember... When the doctor, my mother was with me, I remember I had one of the best doctors in the country at George Washington who was a fertility specialist and a uh, gynecological specialist. And and they were running all the tests and I never forget him looking at me with this, it was piercing. You're not going to be able to have children. And I remember feeling like I had been handed a death sentence and it sent me into a death spiral. Uh, I lost the relationship. I was devastated. I went inward. Um, I talk about this a little bit in my first book, Black Woman Redefined, because the irony is, is that I had just come through several years of a close friendship uh, with a sorority sister friend who had uh, been dealing with infertility in her marriage uh, she and her husband and they went through it pretty rough and it was hard to watch that happen to people you love and you care about and to see what it did to them and how it uh, really took a toll and the money that they invested and spent to have in vitro and all these things and uh, to try to just do not in vitro I'm sorry IVF and to try to get a baby And they finally adopted um, after much priding and, and support from all of us. And when they did, they got pregnant. Naturally. Doctors told him it would never happen. You know, told him his sperm wasn't working. Told her her eggs were dead. You know, all the stuff that happens. And they were fine. The thing is, they were stressed. Because they wanted this so much. And their hearts were so broken. That they had literally stopped functioning. Uh, the moral of the story is this, is that being there as the best friend at the time, and, and the person who was really in it, and going through that was draining for me as well. It was difficult. Uh, there was a lot, and I don't want to get into that because privacy and and some realm of privacy should be respected, but I think that It was like a double blow to me in my gut that I had just walked through this with somebody and been a good friend and been there through some pretty dark times. And now it was happening to me. The difference was I didn't have a husband. I wasn't in a marriage. And so I didn't get the same sympathy and empathy that a married woman got who was having miscarriages or unable to be pregnant. And it just broke a part of me. And I say all that to say that I'll never forget the sisters of the church. Um, and at the time, I was a lawyer in a big law firm in Washington, and I attended church still in D.C. And I lived at that time way out in Ashburn, Virginia. And i never forget the sisters of the church coming from all over. And they drove out, and they came and sat in my house with me. And they prayed, and they brought food, and they asked God to bless me, and they asked God to heal me and to touch me. And... There came a point where I was healed and it defied the doctors and I did all these other things and I started to change my diet and I did all these things and my body seemed to snap back in place. And although for a lot of reasons that I don't want to get into in this podcast, um, it just wasn't in the cards for me to ultimately have a family of my own. Um, I'll never forget the women sitting with me and praying over me and loving me. Because they knew what a blow that was. They knew how much I wanted kids. They knew that I had been a good friend to someone who had gone through. And ironically, that friend was not there for me. Again, for a myriad of reasons that it just doesn't matter to get into at this point. But let me say this. Connectedness matters. And we need it now more than ever. We need each other. And I want to encourage you today. To really think about your connections, to think about who you're connected to. Do you have real friends? Do you got some ride or die folks that'll be there for you no matter what? Are you there for others? Do you give what you want? Do you practice what you preach? Are you always found with your head stuck in your phone and you don't have time to deal with your kids or be there for your family or whatever and you're always working? Let me tell you, you better cut that shit out. Because that ain't life and that ain't living. Because the thing about this journey is no day is promised, not a one. So I want to encourage you today to do a couple things and then the message is yours. One, I want to encourage you to check on your friends, your family, your loved ones. And if you have teenagers and if you have young adults for kids, you need to be in their business like our parents were in ours. You need to be up in it. You need to not leave them alone. You need to be on it. And you need to check in and you need to make sure that they're really okay. Because we've raised a generation of young people that just are not okay. They have a whole different way of coping, of not coping, of dealing with conflict, of not dealing with conflict. They don't talk. They attack. They engage in different ways. They are very expressive in ways that, in my humble opinion, aren't necessarily healthy. Um, They think they're using their voice, but they're really causing a lot of harm. Um, And it's because we've taught them to be that way. It's not their fault. It's our fault. Uh, But I want to encourage you to check in often. The second thing I want you to do is I want you to make sure you've got good people in your own life that check in on you. And that ask you, are you okay? And don't just walk away, but they actually sit and listen and wait for a response. And when you're not okay, they come up with a plan to help you. And the third thing that I want you to do is I want you to just practice being kind. Just being kind to people for no reason other than to be excessively kind, use excessively good manners, because people are going through it out there right now. And they are broken, and they are isolated, and they are hurt, and they are lonely, and they are sad, and they don't know how to talk, and they don't know what just happened, and they don't know how to feel about it. Some people are sick with long COVID, they've lost careers, jobs, they're out of money. If you can help with the food bank, do it. Every week, every month. If you can donate, do it. If you can serve and build and help and pour in, do it. Because we need each other right now. We have almost a million Americans lost to COVID, folks. Almost one million Americans dead. We're in the high 800,000s now. We will hit a million before this year's out. And worldwide, there are already millions that have been lost. And we're not done yet. So get off your little rants about you don't want to wear a mask and you don't want to take the vaccine and you don't want to get boosted and blah, blah, blah. It ain't all about you. And that's what I'm trying to say. Good self-care is about practicing good self-care. But you practice that good self-care. Wait for it. Because you really want to be better for everybody you love in your life. You want to give your best you. You want to show up as your best self. And you can't do that unless and until you do the work on you. That's it. I'm done for the day. Um, I hope you really think about this message. Connectedness. It's everything. It's what we all want. It's what we all crave. It's what we all desire. Period. Connectedness. Try it. Get off the devices. have a conversation get off the devices spend some quality time with your kids get off the devices set aside family night where all the devices go in a basket and you sit there and y'all watch television and you talk or you talk about the current events ask your kids how they're feeling about what they're seeing on the news ask them how they feel about what's going on at their high school or their grade school ask questions and then wait for the answers and then do something our kids are in crisis. My heart goes out to you, Regina King. Uh, my thoughts and prayers are with your family. My thoughts and prayers are with uh, all those that we've lost already just in the first few weeks of 2022. A lot. Meatloaf died this past week. Louis Anderson, the comedian. Sydney Poitier. Betty White. We've lost a lot of people. Um, and we're not even through the first month of the year. So it's a reminder again that life is frail. It's fragile. It's fleeting. It's quick. And we need to do our best with it while we have it. I love you guys. We'll talk to you next week. Bye-bye now.